It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Oh. Oh. Brutal. Doesn't get much more gut-wrenching in the Dude. playoffs than that loss, does it? Dude, that is uh, right to the that, <laughs> that's a brutal way to lose an amazing, ugly, but beautiful <laughs> Game 5 in Memphis. And we're going to talk about anything and everything to do with this game. Should we? Uh, this is a full-on vent line, right, Dex? We can invite yeah. people in. Absolutely. Uh, so if you want, you know, we, we've got the Vikings vent line email address here. So if you want to be part of the show and you want to talk about what you saw in game five, email vikingsventline at gmail.com. We'll come up with an actual like, uh, if, the, if the Wolves pull this series off, we'll come up with a wolvesventline at gmail.com. How about that? But vikingsventline at gmail.com. Ant buries the three in the corner. Signature shot for the second year young superstar. But John ja Morant, man, the Wolves contained him for like I mean, the Wolves contained him for the last couple games, two, three games, and he figured it out in the fourth quarter. I'm not even like, game three I was irate because it was Wolves shooting themselves in the foot. It was Wolves' petulant, immature behavior, just pissing away 25-point leads. I don't know where you guys are at. Like, It's devastating to lose that game in that fashion, but I almost come out of it thinking, Damn, they're throwing haymakers with the Grizzlies. And yes, they probably sh- they probably should either have closed the series out or be up right now, but I'm not even mad. I'm just uh I don't know. What do you guys think? I I think this is great experience and I think the Wolves played their asses off tonight. And it's hard to look at one thing other than maybe that that Delo shot with 15 seconds to go and say that's the thing to be irate about. It was just a great game. Haymakers going back and forth, and John Morant came alive down the stretch. I don't know. What'd you make of it, Judd? Uh, I thought that the game three loss was a stupid loss. Like, you're up by 26 in the first half, you're up by 25 in the second half. Uh, Cat between him not being able to shoot enough because of the game plan or how the game plan fell, and then him just collapsing. I think that's what made you irate about that game. Um, however, in my opinion, what we saw tonight, while nothing like Game 3, is the, the maddening thing is we are seeing this team find ways to lose games. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies, just for a point of reference in tonight's game, from three-point range were 7 of 28, okay? They couldn't make, for a large portion of th- this game, a free, uh, 
three-pointer to save their lives. On free throws, which Ja got hot at the end but was absolutely prob- you know, horrific through like three quarters at the line, they were 26 of 39. So I think game three was just inexcusable. Tonight, I don't think is an inexcusable loss, but I think it's a maddening loss because this was the, the type of game where – one, you played well enough to win. And two, Memphis played poorly e- enough, even with the late game comeback, to lose. So I really think that it's um, it's a contrast in ways, to, in games that you find a way to lose. Yeah. Uh, but it's still incredibly frustrating because I, I texted you both during the last quarter of this game. And I said, this is the type of game you have to win because the door is open for it. Like this would have been an incredibly impressive road win. Memphis was doing everything in their power to help you. And it felt like you, you spent most of the game after a horrific start too, taking advantage. So I, I don't feel the anger and I don't think we're going to have the anger that we did from the game three loss. I do think that this is an enormous missed opportunity because this game was there. Yeah, I think um, it, it is a missed opportunity when you have a double digit lead going into the fourth quarter and they still had a double digit lead, you know, several minutes into the fourth quarter as well. And um, you're playing on the road. Like, I mean, it's very rare to steal a game five in a two, two series on the road. Like they were about to, Um, I think, I think my biggest takeaway, even with the loss is that the wolves are better than the Grizzlies. And it really just comes down to the wolves not shooting themselves in the foot. You know, tonight, would they have 20 turnovers going into the fourth quarter? They wound up with 20-some turnovers. Yep. You know, just taking atrocious, panicked, rushed shots. Oftentimes, too, getting into a track meet during portions of this game with Memphis, which, listen, the Wolves can run and get up and down the court, too, but Memphis loves to run. Memphis, I mean, listen to every huddle that they had Taylor Jenkins mic'd up, and it was get a stop. Force the pace. Get a stop, force the pace. And when you have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, you don't need to be, you know, they're grabbing these offensive rebounds and they're trying to chuck shots back up. It's like, guys, just, guys. But you know what? These are, I, I don't think game three was as much of a learning experience because, like, I don't need a 26-point blown lead to learn something in a basketball game. But this is going to sound so infuriating to some people that are irate over that loss tonight. But this is the type of loss that hardens you in the NBA playoffs. And I don't think the series is over yet. I think there's a decent chance the Wolves win game six at home. And we've seen just how much they can fight and beat Memphis in Memphis. So I wouldn't I wouldn't write this series off quite yet. You know, also credit where credit's due, as atrocious as Carl Anthony Towns was in games two and three. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows I blew a gasket on him after game three. Mm-hmm. He was also atrocious in the Clippers playing game. You know, he had a bunch of turnovers tonight, and you know, he had a couple of dumb moments, but, like, he's been mostly magnificent in these last couple games. And some of the shots he was hitting, and I, I really, with 15 seconds left, when D'Lo took that weird fadeaway and just basically dribbled out, yeah, uh, was, didn't even look teammates. Like, I'd like to see Cat get a look there, you know? You know, Ant buried absolutely. the three to tie the game. Like, let's let's get the ball to Cat in that situation. So, he did, you know, credit where credit's due before we get too far into the show. Cat was down the stretch. Uh, he was level-headed. He was reliable. He was knocking down some big shots. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I kind of just chalk this up to that's a it's a playoff loss that hardens you. Maybe you can use it still in this series. If not, at the very least, this is some incredible experience for a team that hasn't had a whole lot of it. So, so uh, cat five of of 
seven to nine from three point range. Absolutely magnificent there. Um, I think what's frustrating about it though is yes, it could harden you for the long haul, but still the Grizzlies were giving you opportunities and you had a chance to break through. And the frustrating thing I think is a lot of this game, it felt like the Wolves were going to Memphis. I would caution. So I know what you're saying, but I, I would caution saying that Memphis isn't as good or that the Wolves are better because two things have become crystal clear in, in the five games that we've seen so far. One is what you said about Ja at the start of the series is a thousand percent right. Like he's not this, you're not a sexy player. Like he plays his ass off. Uh, he gets cold. Uh, he tries to drive and, and you can definitely game plan at times, obviously not late in this game to try and contain him. But the other thing is I think Ja's style of play is reflective of the Grizzlies. And I think one reason why it seems like the Wolves are a more talented team is because the Grizzlies aren't really an aesthetically pleasing team to watch, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like they work their ass off for everything they get. And when it's not going well, their style of, of basketball for a team that likes to run is really not attractive, Uh, but that doesn't, make them not good the one thing that surprised me tonight though from the grizzlies through at least the first three quarters was the shot selection and i really thought that that with the way that bain has played they'd be trying to get him more looks now i know that that the timberwolves tried to take that away as well but like you know when jaws shooting up threes it's like dude a lot of those aren't going to fall so I think the thing with the Grizzlies is they play a style of basketball that when it's not going well, does not look competent. But where I give them credit is throughout the course of this entire series, they are always around. Like they're down by 13, but they're still there, right? Yeah, they kind of keep, they're kind of, uh, you know, they keep coming at you, right? They're sort of yep. the, you know, they're the Terminator or they're, they're Rocky Balboa, right? They just like, they keep throwing punches and, that's yep. the kind of player Jai's too, right? He's just like he's going to get knocked on his ass fifteen times in a game. He's going to flop too, but um, he's going to keep coming at you. And what I said before the the series was guys like Ja, Russell Westbrook is kind of a similar type player, yep. where you are for, they're great regular season players. They are they are sort of diminutive guards that play with astronomical energy, right? They are Energizer Bunny type players. And in the regular season, on a Tuesday night, when a team's coming off a back-to-back, like that energy is going to carry you to a lot of wins if you're just bringing more energy on a nightly basis than regular season opponents are. Well, in the playoffs, everyone's energy increases. You get Sometimes you get, like, you know, how many times have they had back-to-back off days already in this series, right? Like two or three times? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, some of the things that make him a great player in the regular season, just he's not going to have that advantage. If he, if he can't shoot from outside... I'm not saying he's easy to defend, but I think you could sort of see it coming if the Wolves could come up with a strategy to just prevent him from getting to the paint at will, which they did for like two and a half games there. I don't know where it went in the fourth. You know, I'm sure somebody will do a, a film breakdown, but that dude decided I'm going to get to the paint and the free throw line in the fourth quarter, and uh, and he did at will. And part of it might have been Pat Bev fouling out. Like I'd love to see that last possession run back with Pat Beverly guarding at least at the point of attack at the top of the key, John Morant. Does he blow by and get into the paint with that level of ease to hit that game-winning layup if Pat Beverly's in the game? But Pat Bev fouled out. And, you know, give Memphis credit. 
Should we? Uh, we got plenty more takes on this, but it looks like we have a full room here of Timberwolves fans. And so, uh, if you're just joining us here on the Score North YouTube channel, thank you. This is Mackie and Judd, a little special Timberwolves vent line recap of Game Five. What a freaking game and a gut punch loss for the Timberwolves. If you could click the subscribe button on the YouTube channel and the like button on the video, you can help spread the word about Score North and Mackie and Judd and this community of Minnesota sports therapy that we're going to be tapping into tonight. So, uh, Dex, who's first out of the gate here on Timberwolves Ventline? Yeah, let's go to AJ. AJ, what's up, What's man? up, AJ? What's up, guys? Oh, my God. I am. I was ready to wave the title, Judd. I was ready for it. Mm. And... Who wasn't? Who wasn't? It was like, uh, I'm going to start. No, I'm not. Man, Ant went off. I, I got to see... Is Greg Popovich ret- retiring after this season? Because if I'm the Wolves, I'm raiding his bench of assistants and just teaching these guys fundamental. I looked at one stat, 23 assists for the Wolves tonight, 22 turnovers. Yeah, That's the game right there. And Finchie, like, I love him. He's turned the culture around, but he's got to be better at managing timeouts. And D'Lo, I might be looking for somebody else to run – from the point in the offseason, man. He's he's been nothing this whole series, really. Um, Cat, I thought was aggressive, but man, I, I'm so disappointed for Anthony Edwards, man. I'm a big Ant Edwards fan, and I thought this was a coming out party. Um, but I'm telling you, man, both these teams are inexperienced, and I think Golden State is gonna put whoever wins on over their lap and spank them for four games in the next round. But <laughs> yeah, just me, yeah. No, AJ, I think, uh. Yeah, I think like thanks for coming on, dude. Love the setup there too. The lighting is beautiful. Man. Awesome, dude. We'll see you at Surly. Oh, yeah, yeah awesome, awesome, man. Great. It'll be a blast, man. Um, yeah, I think yeah, you, that's the thing. Like you watch this team. At one point, I was just making some notes during the game here, going into the fourth quarter. The Timberwolves were getting out offensive rebounded like twelve to two, and they had twenty turnovers going into the fourth quarter, and they were up by eleven. Like. Mm-hmm. The things that this team does to shoot itself in the foot, and yet they're so talented, they take these massive leads, right? Is it salvageable going forward as they go through this learning process? Are they going to tighten some of this stuff up, and all of a sudden now they're going to lower the turnovers, they're going to lower some of the dumb mistakes, they're going to lower the bad shot rate, late in games, late in halves, they're going to be a better closing team, or are they just this sort of frenetic ball of energy, and this is... This is what the identity of the team is for the next two or three. It's going to be fun to watch, but they're just going to be spastic and make a lot of mistakes and have you pulling your hair out. I'd say to your point about a game like this potentially hardening a team and players, that's where I'm not concerned at all about Ant. Like, I think Ant takes this experience and learns. Uh, D'Lo, I don't know what to make of of him. His series, um, far too often, not not every game and not every quarter has underwhelmed me. And like that shot late in the game, I hated. Like that was yeah. just a terrible shot. Awful. Uh Ant Ant missed some key shots, but I also but he he also came back and, and hit the tying shot. And the thing is, I think a guy like Ant will take this experience and benefit tenfold. Like that is that is a good side because I think he's smart enough and and he'll learn and progress. D'Lo, I don't know so much about on that one. You know, if you're if you're sort of ranking the Timberwolves roster, not based on talent or not based on, you know, the pecking order of 
you know, who should take the last shot. But if you're ranking the roster based on their level of self-awareness of who they are as a basketball player, mm-hmm. I can go up and down. I would say that Carl Anthony Towns, even though he's immature and even though he can be petulant and things like he, he knows who he is as a player. In fact, sometimes I think he underestimates who he is as a player in certain instances. That. Yes. Ant Edwards has a pretty high level of self-awareness. He'll take some heat check shots here and there, but he understands, oh, they're doubling me now. It's time to go find the open guy. Even some of the role players like Jared Vanderbilt, he's not going to take 12 shots in a game because he knows who he is. Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly knows exactly the, the cracks he's supposed to be filling in. D'Angelo Russell gets the ball in his hands and thinks he's Kobe Bryant in his prime. And some nights he is. There are right. some nights where he is wildly talented and hot from the field and he's knocking down clutch shots and you know, hitting a three from the top of the key on a step back. But tonight, when they're down by a what? It was they're down by a point with fifteen seconds to go, and you've got red hot Carl Anthony Towns. You've got Anthony Edwards who can load a shot up and get he can get separation from anywhere with that step back. Yep. And and he's been mostly cold and irrelevant offensively throughout the night, D'Angelo Russell. And he decides I'm going tunnel vision here with right. two defenders on me, and I'm going to take a wild fadeaway shot, and it's going to you know, bank off the other side of the backboard. That's like his level of self-awareness is very low compared to most of his teammates, and it bugs me. And that ball, in right now, that ball on a night like this has to go through Cat. Like eventually, probably Ant. Totally get that. But right now, like Cat is is was on a good night shooting. Confidence was high, right? Like everything screamed. He at least has to have the option of saying, I'm not going to shoot. Yeah. And and yeah, D'Lo, there's just too many times where he does things that cause you to think he doesn't get it. And that's concerning. Uh, but yeah, I look, you're correct in this. Game three drove me crazy. Like game three was inexcusable, awful meltdown, embarrassing. This was not that. It's tough to watch it because it's a game that they definitely should be coming back here for Friday's game up by a game. But that being said, it was not nearly as maddening to watch it unfold because because it was not like they, they were up by a ton and completely gagged, which is exactly what they did uh, in game three. Yeah, and, and I know they were up by 11 or 12 or whatever it was, but th- those That's even an 11-point lead on the road against – a fast-paced team like the Grizzlies, that's not a very secure lead. Right. So, I, again, don't blow 11-point leads. I'm not trying to justify a blown lead, but this, this game felt much more like just a really tough playoff loss than Game 3 did. So, all right, who's next on Timberwolves' vet line, Declan? Let's go to uh, Mike. Mike, what's up, man? Welcome to hey, the you again. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? I'm okay. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what ticks me off about this team. Uh, and, yes, it was a great game. By the way, that dunk by Ja, oh, my goodness. I can't yeah. think of a player that of his stature that can get up so high, even on some of those rebounds where he's going up. Uh, How about him trying to do the same dunk a minute into the fourth quarter, too? <laughs> he got blocked, but, oh, my God. I can't even do that when I'm dreaming. Can he- <laughs> okay, here, here is what ticks me off. Chris Finch was advertised as this offensive genius, right? When he came in, that he's got a great offensive mind. So what really bothers me is, especially let's take the play at the end of the game. And 
you're right about the, you know, the self-awareness. Okay, your shot's not going down. Maybe doing a contested two-pointer, very contested, is not the smartest idea, right? But as a coach, isn't that stuff that you work on in practice? Like you say, okay, guys, let's say, let's run some hypotheticals. I know they do that in football all the time. We run hypotheticals. Let's say we have a final shot, and there's 25, 30 seconds left. Here is the set that we're going to run. I don't understand why, and not just Chris French. A lot of coaches do this, but they go they go one-on-one, and they go hero ball. And what's so cool about Golden State, and yes, they do this too, but Clay and Steph, if you watch them play, they are constantly cutting, and they are constantly getting open. Mm-hmm. They are getting shots in the flow of the offense. And I think what really bothers me is that the Wolves don't do that, but they have the skill players to be able to do that. And they have a point guard in D'Lo when he's self-aware. He can get guys open. And so here's what I was thinking, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Whenever D'Lo got the ball, did you guys have this feeling of, oh, my gosh, he might do something really great or he might do something really stupid? I think I have that feeling pretty much every game when D'Lo has the ball, yes, (laughs) because that's the range, right? Like, that's the range for him. Well, and then I thought, when J-Mac is in the game, kind of like Tyus Jones, you just have this, okay, He's not he's not spectacular, right? But you don't feel like he's gonna make that that game losing decision of taking a, a fadeaway three that's highly contested. That he's I trust him more to get the ball in the hands of someone in the flow of the offense that's mm-hmm. going to get him a good shot. And I I I'm not again I'm not saying he's better than Delo. I'm not saying that. I think skill wise Delo is more skilled. But I think in terms of smarts and awareness. I think I think I would have trusted J-Mac more in that spot. I don't know what you guys think um, on that. And then secondly, in terms of coaching too, if Towns is getting doubled so much, does anyone talk to him about, like, here's what we do on a double? Now, to be fair, he did much better today on the double teams. And Richard Jefferson in game four kind of hounded that point. Yes. But they need he needs to be either coached up or self-aware that they're going to keep doubling his until he learns how to make them pay, whether that's through making the right pass or through learning how to move out of it. And the way not to handle the double team is through waiting around and, and looking for the, the perfect pass. You just got to get the ball moving or make your move right away. Yeah, Mike, thank you. So let's unpack some of this. Thank you for coming on, Mike. So let's, let's start with the town's double teams. And this is, I, I don't know, I probably have to go back and, and watch how many times they doubled him and see, but it's my amateur observation. This is going to be, I'm going to go real X's and O's breakdown here on you okay. guys. Okay. Football. So if you notice, when Towns, so usually, you know, they'll dump the ball in, and sometimes it's at the three point line, and he's kind of, you know, they'll dump it. He's kind of posting up, but like at the three point line, maybe they'll get it in closer to the low block, but it's usually on. The left side of the court or the right side, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets doubled pretty quickly. And what happens is he knows that he should be trying to get the ball over to the weak side, but he's not confident enough to just chuck a, a skip pass in those situations. And we're so spoiled if you grew up in the Kevin Garnett era. You watch Kevin Garnett get the automatic double team, and he would hold the ball over his head, and he would rifle. I rem- I, I'll never forget. I was sitting in my college dorm room watching a – Kings Timberwolves game on ESPN one night in like 
early 2004. It was the season where the Timberwolves went to the Western Conference Finals. And KG, so as you're watching on the screen, I believe the Wolves were going from right to left. So on the left side of the court, as you're watching on TV, KG gets doubled on the low left block. Mm-hmm. But it was probably, you know, 12, 15 feet away from the basket. So it wasn't, he wasn't like in the paint. He was 12, 15 feet away, sort of further up the baseline. Instant double team. He takes a deep breath. He surveys. Where's the double coming from? And he sees, okay, the double actually came from the top of the key. I'm getting really wonky here. But he saw Fred Hoiberg in the opposite corner with a defender with his back to Kevin Garnett. And so he said, I'm going I'm to, out of this double team, I'm going to hold the ball in the air and rifle a cross-court skip pass because the defender's not looking. And I'm going to hit Fred Hoiberg right in the chest, and he's going to pop a three-pointer. And bang, it was a key shot at some point in the second half. I'll never forget. Wow. If you double Kevin Garnett, he is going to rifle a pass to an open three-point shooter, and you're going to be screwed. Cat doesn't quite have that. Now, some, it's not that he never makes the right pass. It's not that he always melts down those situations, but right. the Clippers did it. Memphis is doing it, and Cat still wound up with a great game, and, and they wound up drawing up three-point looks for him. But I would love to see a little bit more just let's let's – Let's create some more open shots out of those double teams. Those double teams are a blessing for you. They are literally, you are a great shooting team. They mm-hmm. are taking a defender off of a shooter. Mm-hmm. So you need to get them in the spin cycle. And too many times they're slow to swing that ball around or they're not able to make a skip pass cross court. Or cat will. There take- you go. Football. Eighth grade basketball Phil Mackey right there. <laughs> Unfortunately for cat, he will, he will rifle the ball across court at times into the third row. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he is he is certainly not a perfect player, but, uh, you know, tonight I, do, I don't blame him. I mean, I, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. And by the way, did the Twins just walk yeah, off apparent, the Tigers? I don't know what happened, but they so walked no off the Tigers. ball off the right fielder's glove, and two runs scored, and the Twins walked off. The so the Tigers right. dropped a fly ball or something? Uh, it was a line drive. It was a little bit of a tough play, but it should have. But the play should have been made. So. Amazing. The other thing, real quick here, that the that was it, Mike that Mike just brought up. So Jordan McLaughlin has been really, really good off the bench for the Timberwolves. Now the box mm-hmm. score, you're going to look at the box score and be like, oh, okay, he played 17 minutes, he scored two points, yeah, he had four assists, but the way that he gets into the offense, the way that he gets the ball moving around, right? The way that, even the way that he defends sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. I think what happens sometimes in the fourth quarter, when D'Lo, usually it's it's D'Lo, but sometimes Pat Bev is guilty of this, too, before he fouled out. They take 18 seconds to get into their action in the half court. And now some of it's you're trying to run some clock because you have a lead, but they dribble up. And they try to get a switch, so they'll do kind of a, they'll either do like a pick and roll, or they'll do. If you'll notice in this series, they'll do kind of a pseudo pick and roll because Memphis Memphis is telling you we're going to switch anyways, and so just whatever, just let's just switch. <laughs> uh-huh. And it takes them fifteen or eighteen seconds to get into their action instead of spending that time getting into the action early. Because Mike brought up the Warriors, for instance, get into the action early, get the ball moving around, get the Memphis Grizzlies into a spin cycle, and find an open shot somewhere. They're uh-huh. too worried about holding the ball at the top of the key, grinding some clock, and boom, now they're in panic mode, and somebody puts up a rushed shot. That was the entire fourth quarter offensively for the Timberwolves. And Chris Finch, to his credit as an offensive mind, helped diagram 
the highest scoring offensive team in the NBA this season. But playoff basketball is different. When you get into the fourth quarter grind, it's half court. It can't be hero ball, man. It can't just be step backs from Ant and D'Lo getting into the paint and taking contested shots. You got you got to move the ball around, and they just forget to do it sometimes. What has happened to Malik Beasley? Three of eight tonight, uh, eight points, and I believe he did, did not take a shot in game four. Like, speaking of guys off the bench especially who, who – you like to be part of the rotation and who, you know, supposedly can shoot threes. That's uh that's back to back games in, in which he was one a non factor and tonight two a very small factor. Yeah. He was it's his credit, he was uh, he was a little bit handsy defensively and crashed the boards a little bit. He was much worse in the previous game. But yeah, you yeah. you'd like to, I, I would like to see him find some happy medium between taking all of the shots and only right. taking three three pointers in two games combined, right? So, all right, who's next on Timberwolves' vent line, Declan? Yo, Mike, you got us? Mike, 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 Mike. Oh, again. Sorry, guys. You, uh, oh, it's first, the same, Mike. Try to find somebody else. Okay, we just okay. have Mike on. Let's go to different. Let's go to somebody else. Let's try. Uh, let's go to Trey. Trey, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, man, yep, we got, got you. you. Good. Um, first, I want to mention I will be on Write That Down next Wednesday. That's me. Um, on the fourth, so I'm excited for that. Nice. Got some, got some doozies for you. Um, <laughs> however, um, this was a fun game. It was a fun game to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I felt it was one of the most poorly officiated games I've seen in a while. Um, it felt as though Ja, great. I love Ja. He's actually probably my favorite player that's not on the Wolves. But every time he drove. And it seems like he's done this a lot in this series. Like, every time he drives, he'll, like, fall over and then, like, look like he's hurt. And yeah. then once the once the foul's called, he pops right back up. Like, and it's just, like, that is felt like it. that's how they came back, like, the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, D'Lo played bad. Like, D'Lo played terrible. Um, Ant was missing some shots. Cat was on fire. But... Like, it just felt as though, like, every time Ja went into the paint, they blew, like, a phantom whistle. And it was like, what is going on here? Like, my wife was like, you need to calm down because I was getting so pissed <laughs> that, like, every time, like, he got into the paint, it felt like a whistle was being blown out. You know what like, we call that, boys? We call that $15,000 <laughs> well spent by Taylor Jenkins ripping yeah. the officials for after game sure. four. For yeah. sure. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you next week. All right, Trey. Appreciate Sounds good, Trey. dude. Hilarious. All right, let's I, keep rolling here. I don't oh. think there's ever going to be a game in the playoffs that people can have a consensus of. That was a well-officiated game. Yeah. I just don't think it exists. People yeah. are always pissed off. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. It, and these games are physical, and they're fast-paced, and there's right. going to be questionable calls. Like, most calls are sort of 50-50 you know the, the the towns originally it was what his fourth offense it was his fourth foul the offensive foul and overturned he it. lowered the shoulders and then they they overturned it I mean that could go either way I yep. kind of shocked that got overturned quite frankly especially in Memphis but I don't have as much of a problem with these officials as some other people do I I didn't there were some calls that I wasn't in love with but I don't think the officials in a close game I don't think they drastically altered the outcome of it you know. Jaron Jackson Jr. was all bent out of shape 
because he fouled out on the Carl Anthony Towns three pointer. Like, dude, you slapped him on the forearm when he was following through on his three. It's yeah, which clearly was, by the a way, foul, which was stupid. Yes, like, the, that's a bad foul too. The level of complaining doesn't match the level of poor officiating. The officiating right. is not as bad as the complaining would lead you to believe. Amen. All right, who's next? Let's go to Jake. Jake, what's up, man? You got us? Hey, Jake? can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we yep. got you. Got you. Cool. I'm going to be Mr. Positivity on Wolves' vent, vent line. Uh, I think this was – tonight's game was such a, a an important experience for our guys. I mean, I think we all know, like, how much potential this team has. And I think a game like tonight was just, like, I don't know, like important for years to come. I mean, I hate to already be talking about next year, but um, I mean, this is our, this is this team's first playoff experience. I mean, this is Cat's second playoff experience. I mean, I just feel like, you know, tonight was just like a classic, you know, it's a playoff game. It's the playoffs, you know, you gotta be, uh, you gotta show up and, 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 you know, I think the bench, was incredible uh, with, with, you know, with a few exceptions. But, um, you know, I think Torian Prince and uh, Naz Reed showed up when they need, we needed them. And, um, yeah, I don't know, just a just – a, this is experience for the future. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly so excited to see where this team can go. And I think, you know, we need, like, you know, even though it sucks to lose and uh, in a game like that, I think, like, you know, experiences like this are just going to be – uh, you know, fuel for the future, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- but, I think at this point, I'm trying to figure out what, what would make me, if even if they lost the series, what would make me feel good going into the offseason? I think getting game six at home, and then ideally you would win game seven. But if you got, if you got game six at home, made it a seven-game series, and then lost at Memphis in a hard-fought game seven or something, I would say that yeah. stings. But you know what? That's something you can hang your hat on going into the summer and going yeah. into into next season. I mean, you can, you know, learn from these games, you know. I mean, like, we haven't been there. I mean, this is Anthony Edwards' first. I mean, how many guys in this team is this their first playoffs? I mean, I mean, Pat, I think team. Pat Beverly has a ton of experience, but. Cat's got the one round. Nate Knight played a couple round. games for yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> Torian Prince, I don't think he's played in the playoffs, has he? I mean, sneak into a game at one point. You got to have games like tonight. It sucks. I mean, like, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to dwell on, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't game, uh, it wasn't game three, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you just got to learn from a game like tonight and look at, we're going back to Minnesota and we've proved that we can win in Memphis. So, I mean, it's just, Yep. Jake, thanks for coming on. on, dude. Appreciate your positivity. And, uh, yeah, I think, listen, the, the series ain't over yet. It is not over yet. Playing at home, that's going to be a ridiculous, raucous arena oh, on Friday. Friday. That'll be great, mm-hmm. Spe- especially if it's a late start and, mm-hmm. and the fans are liquored up. I don't know. I I know game three was inexcusable, but the fact you're up 11, you had a chance to basically go up three to two with two games to play. I understand the valuable playoff moments here to me that's just like it is such a kick in the bean bag as nate says on our youtube channel here like <laughs> it, like it, it is a definition of being of having a kick right below the belt like they had this game one it was going to be up three to two with two games to play and yes like 
obviously the Wolves will learn from this, and Anthony Edwards is going to be even better as he matures into his mid-20s, but I don't like to look at, like, oh, three or four years from now, look at the Wolves can be. Like, they had this right here. They had the team that had the second most wins on the ropes, and you almost went up three to two, and you kind of bleep down your leg. So, like, to me, it is a kick in the beanbag. That's fair. That's fair. I I need to see game six. I need to see game six. It's definitely a kick. The question is, um, how upset are are you about it? And do you think that they will learn? Because here's the one thing that I I will say. Coming into this playoff, John Morant had five career playoff games, same as Towns against Utah last year. So it's not like he's Mr. Season playoff guy himself. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't think it's like I'm personally not trying to give them a free pass, but game three was so egregious. I just can't reach the same level of anger tonight. Like that was so bad. And cat was awful. Like that was embarrassingly bad. And this, this sounds stupid, but at least your star player tonight didn't embarrass you. That sounds really bad. That's really a Minnesota sports fan statement. It's a low bar. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a low bar. But yeah, but but to Dex's point, you know, it's not like Ja Morant did what Ja Morant does in the playoffs. His experience is not off the charts himself. So yeah, it's frustrating. They should have won. Um, I'm just always going to carry game three as one of the worst meltdowns I've ever seen in a Minnesota sports playoff. Yeah, I, I, think I think that's part of the problem. You've, I think, encapsulated how I feel here too, which is I'm still not over game three. I'm 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 making a concerted effort to just not listen. There was a couple chances to chirp Carl Anthony Towns on Twitter, and I did not tonight, and I think you guys should be proud of me. I am showing restraint. But game three was so offensive. Right. This, to me, tonight was just a hard-fought playoff loss against a good team that woke up in the fourth quarter. You definitely brought some of it on yourself. If Game 3 hadn't happened, let's say they just lose Game 3 in a more normal fashion. I would be more upset about this squandered opportunity tonight. But for whatever reason, Game 3 is the thing. Like, if they lose this series in 6 or 7, Game 3 is the thing that I'm going to be the most mad about. ESPN Stats and Information just tweeted this out. The Grizzlies are now the first team in NBA history to have multiple wins in a single playoff series in which they trailed by double digits entering the fourth quarter. The 2020 Miami Heat are the only other team to even do it twice in a single postseason. So blowing fourth quarter leads of that magnitude twice in a series. It's frustrating. Is historical. And and on in that regard, Declan's not wrong. My bar, being as old as I am and watching the crap I've watched, my bar is so goofed up. Like, it's so goofed up because, like, literally, like, think about this franchise. Think about the things we've we've seen. We, I mean, with a chance to go to a Super Bowl, Brett Favre threw a ball into the middle of the field. Like, like, I'm so scarred by episodes like that, that tonight is frustrating. But in two years, if you mention these playoffs in two years, I'm not going to recall this game. I'm going to recall game three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, at no point, did I expect them before the season to win a playoff series 
at no point when they were matched up with Memphis in the playoff draw after the the plan went over the Clippers did I think they should be expected to beat Memphis in a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. To me, once they beat the Clippers at home. Now, I think getting out of the plan, I expected them to do that. I, I, I wanted an actual playoff series at the beginning of the season. I wanted above 500, and I wanted an actual playoff series. And they checked both those boxes. And so now that we're in the middle of this, I don't know that it's fair to change the expectations and raise the bar, but, I, but I'm conflicted because I also think having watched these two teams play now four times in the regular season and five times in the postseason, you know, Memphis has five wins to the Wolves four, but I think the Wolves are better. They just make more mistakes. And maybe because they make more mistakes, that means Memphis is actually better because not making mistakes is a huge part of being a good right. team. Not yeah. soiling yourself when you have a 26-point lead and a 25-point lead is a huge part of being a great team. So maybe the correct way to phrase it is Minnesota, I think, has more talent. Minnesota is playing a freaking 10-man rotation tonight in Game 5 of a, of a road playoff game. And it worked until, until it <laughs> you know, the last three minutes or so. Um, so, yeah, it, it is hard to know where to put the bar here. In the middle of the series and the way that it's played out, they should be leading or have, they have won the series by now. But if you zoom back out to 30,000 feet, this has all been pretty valuable. The regular season, beating the Clippers, I mean, this is all kind of gravy. So it's it's hard to know where exactly to set the bar. I agree with you there. Let's get to our, our next Wolves Ventliner, Declan. Let's go to uh, Brett. Brett, what's up, man? Welcome to Wolves Ventliner. What's up, boys? Hey, what's I don't up, know Brett? if you caught the end of the twin show, but I think they made the worst defensive play tonight besides Ant. <laughs> Did you see it? The Tigers? The Tigers? No, yeah. They just, yep. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Yeah, that was, that was a train wreck. Yep. Yeah. Awful. Anyways, so I'm with you, Phil. I know anything's gravy from here on, but you can't overlook the collapse at the end. Cat just carelessly dribbling the ball off the guy's foot. D'Lo with a terrible shot. And then Ant just going for the steal instead of just bodying up Ja when you know all he wants to do is go to the rim and score. I think that's where I'm at. I'm, it's all yeah, gravy no, it's... until you just do those plays at the end, you know? It's fair. Yeah, there was uh, Ant had another one where he he grabbed an offensive rebound, and then and, and there was what like a minute or two minute two minutes left or something. And instead of just dribbling back out, he's in the trees. He tries to put a little you know six foot bunny shot up. And um, yeah, is that a high percentage shot with a guy's hand in your face there, or can you dribble back out and and run fourteen more seconds off the clock and get a better look? Right, stuff like that. There's probably six or seven things like that down the stretch, and you named a couple of them too. They were yep. super frustrating. Yeah. I know you. You think you you think game three is more heartbreaking, but I just think this one is. They had in the bag. They just made terrible mistakes at the end instead of just completely choking it and not even having a chance at the end, like game three. You know, game I feel three, like Brett. Thanks for coming on, dude. Go ahead, Judd. Game three is more maddening. That's the thing. My I, heart was. Not I blew. Broken. I blew a gasket. I, I blew a gasket after game three. Yeah. And did. there's almost nothing that can happen on the negative side now that can live up to the way that I felt after game three. Heart, so if, if I see more subdued, it's because I already exhausted all of my negative energy after game three. Heartbreaking was the 98 Falcons game. That was heartbreaking. The far pass, 12 men in the huddle, game three, not heartbreaking. They pissed me off. They're inexcusable. Tonight, it's not good. It's frustrating. But my God, it's not heartbreaking. And it's not, and, and I'm not, I just, yeah, I'm with you. I can't possibly get that worked up again um, about this. I just, I can't. I'm sorry. 
be disingenuous of me to do it. Okay. Who's next on Timberwolves Vent Line decks? Let's go to Cody. Cody, what's up, man? Welcome to Wolves Vent Line. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, yep. man. What's up, Cody? Um, yeah, I, I was just listening to you guys. I would agree. Great Game three and this game were so different because I was just watching this one, and, man, Ant, Ant, Ant hit that three, and I was just like, there's no way he just made that, especially after those huh. last possessions, which, like you guys said, terrible shot selection. Like, the last five or six possessions, I don't get what it is, and I've seen it across the league this playoffs specifically. It comes down to the last four or five minutes in a game, and it just turns into a one-on-one show, a pickup basketball game. What yeah. happens to all the offense? It's yeah. like, why Why would you not run an offense, you know? Yeah, and that's on some of that's on D'Lo, man. Yeah, it, I, I would put it on all of them. I mean, they just all took terrible shots. But honestly, I'd say the only positive compared to, I'd say, the rest of the series is, honestly, going into the fourth, I had that little feeling because we were only up by 11, and that has clearly meant nothing this whole season. And I had this feeling, I was like, if we don't start this quarter off good, it's – it's going to go to like it has, yeah. and sure enough. But the only thing that was good was just we had a few good plays in there. There was a good cat pass to Vanderbilt who was wide open, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it was slightly better, but definitely not as bad as game three. And I just wanted to go up to cat myself and say, dude, you're literally seven feet tall. You can shoot the three, <laughs> and you're crying about every single call and sticking your foot out. It was just insane. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, Cody. I think great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. I think I've been going back and forth because there's so many people after the last couple of games. Are you going to apologize to Cat? No, dude. His behavior in games two and three, and the way that he took himself out of those games. If they lose the series in either six or seven, you're going to point. All right, you know. Where were the real missed opportunities? Yeah, tonight was one of them. But you're going to point to Game Three in particular, and you're going to say, "Boy, if uh, if your star player didn't just have an inexplicable temper tantrum for two and a half hours, then soiled himself. You probably probably would be in a better spot right now. So that criticism is a hundred percent warranted. Just like the praise that he's getting for the last two games is also a hundred percent warranted. The two things I'd like to to see from th- this team um, on Friday is this. Number one with Cat. He did it again tonight, too. If they don't call a foul, get up and go down the floor and do your job. Uh, Now, if you want to, when when there's a timeout and all eyes aren't on the official, if you want to ask a question occasionally, I think that that's fine. But you could hear him on one of the mics tonight. He got fouled or he got hit, went down. That's a foul. And it's like, dude, just get up. No, that's not. First of all, that's not going to get get you a call. Second of all, every time that you do that, Carl, you are running the risk of taking yourself mentally out of the game. The other thing that I would like to see, and I know it's a style, the amount of embellishment from Pat Bev, I would like to see toned down. Part of the reason why he didn't get that jaw call where it where it could have been been called is he literally threw himself out of bounds with the ball to try and establish that I got, I did. And they didn't call it. That was he a bad is, call. It was, but I'm saying he's costing him himself. He is constantly, he's basically an old school hockey player diving. And eventually officials say, I'm not going to make every call. Um, he's throwing himself ar- around every time that there's a slightly controversial call, like a, maybe 50 50 call we we get the 
review it sign, review it sign. Just tone that crap down a little bit, man. And quit I, I, trying listen, to embellish unless you really have something to sell. See, I a couple things. That was a bad no call. I think mm-hmm. I think Papev had two options in that situation. One, he could because he, he's falling out of bounds himself too, so he can turn around and blindly throw that ball back in, and it probably gets picked off by John Morant. And now there's a fast break going the other way. So, so option one, unless he can pinpoint one of his own guys on the fly and turn around, option one's tough. Option two is I got shoved out of bounds. I'm going to sell it and try and and try and get us possession. So I had no problem with that one, and I I think. It's hard for you to ask Pat Bev. It's hard for you to say, I only want pieces of Pat Bev. The Pat Bev experience is the experience. And, you know, 10 to 15% of it is going to be filled with technical fouls. And, you know, there was, he had a delay of game at one point because he, you know, he threw the ball up in the air and it got hung up on the back of the back. Like there's like 10 or 15% of Pat Bev's antics that are just going to be, you know, when he shoves Chris Paul at the end of that series last year between the Clippers and the Suns. But I, I think overall he is a plus, plus, plus net value player for the team. And I don't think you can really – it'd be nice if you could pick and choose. Let me take the worst parts of Pat Bev and put them over here and keep the best parts. But I don't think that's how it works. He's trying to sell so much, though, that, that he, I believe at times costs him, himself calls. So I'm just saying dial back the theatrics just a little bit. Just okay, a little he's, bit. Been in the, he's been in the league for a decade. This I is know. who he is. You know what, though? You can always learn. <laughs> can always learn. All right, who's next on Mackie and Judd, Timberwolves Vent Line? Let's go a couple more here. Let's go to uh, Thomas. Thomas, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's How up, Thomas? I like the background, Thomas. Thanks. Uh, big uh, Minnesota sports guys here. But, uh, nice, nice. You know, th- th- this game was frustrating more so because they kind of actually felt like in a lot of control for the majority of this game. Like, it is – like – they seem to keep getting that lead back. Even like it didn't seem like a game three collapse where it's like, okay, you blew it in the first half. We're probably gonna blow it in the second half. But uh, I knew the officiating was gonna like come into play for this game after Jenkins's comments from last game, and it definitely like showed a little bit towards later in the game, like that Beverly call at the end when he got like pushed out of bounds with Morant. Then Clark put it right up after. It was frustrating because you know Wolves lose by two points. Like that plays a really big factor. Mm-hmm. And I'm just done with D'Lo. I mean, I, I just don't feel like he's criticized enough for as much as he makes. He's a former number two overall pick. You traded a lot for him. And why I just – I do not trust him whatsoever with the ball in his hand. I only trust Edwards. Only Edwards. I understand the cat blame. I've actually been pretty proud of Cat since the game three. Mm-hmm. He's shown up. But it's just every time D'Lo makes a pass, it just looks lazy. It's stolen away. And it's just frustrating because it's like – he has the potential to be that player, yeah. like that, you know, like that one A, one B type guy, and it just seems like he never is. He just shows up every once in a while, and it's yeah. just extremely frustrating. How do you spend a year with the Warriors and everything that they have, from coaching to just the the player development, and still do some of the ridiculous things that he does late in games? You know, just no ball movement, fade away with two hands in your face at the end of this game tonight. And it's just like, did you pick up nothing with one of the best ball movement teams in the NBA? And then there's some nights where you're you're looking at him and saying, wow, it's a good thing they have D'Lo. Because there's nights where he's the calming guy, right? And he's the guy that's knocking down, you know, 11 of 18 shots. So, I don't know, man. Tom, thanks for coming on, dude. No Loving your background. Let's get to uh, one more here on Timberwolves Vent Line decks. Let's go to Mackey's guy, Colin Yatrock. Colin, what's up, dude? What's up, buddy? How are you guys, man? Appreciate you uh, coming on again. This has been cathartic. 
and I appreciate Judd bringing up biking stuff. It just adds adds the cherry to the crap Sunday. Thank you, sir. Um, no a problem. Couple, a couple things. I'll I'll get, I'll get to my point, but I think what hurts the most is that you had this opportunity. You had a, a, a Minnesota sports team go on the road, six-point underdogs, and actually kind of punch Memphis in the mouth after taking a huge hit in the face in the beginning. It was, what, 19-3 to three or whatever it was in the beginning? We clawed back into it, and you're like, to that last caller's point, we had the momentum the rest of that game. And to have an opportunity to be able to go home for a closeout game in the playoffs, I mean, what an, we would be talking about this the next couple of days, how crazy Target Center is going to be, and maybe even thinking about Golden State or whomever it's going to be. Anyway, my real point for calling is, is, is basketball always comes down to fundamentals. Boxing your man out. Killed us tonight. Clark mm-hmm. had, I think he had a majority of their offensive rebounds. I have it written down 29 to 6 in second chance points, you guys. That's, Clark, Clark had that. nine offensive rebounds tonight wow. off the bench. And nine. You saw it happen over and over again where they were getting these second chances. And I, uh, on that point around fundamentals, running an offense, Jordan Mack, when he's in there, the ball is moving because that's who he is. He is a true point guard. His job, like Tyus, is I'm going to spin the ball around and find the open guy. His bounce pass to the corner was beyond amazing. He gets the ball moving. D'Lo has it. It's just stagnant. We all stand around and watch. And I'll just leave it on this, Mackie, uh, at the end there with Ant. Why didn't Ant steal away? Wow. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hold on. the good news, Colin, is even though this is kind of a depressing game, in eight months it will be Honda Days. Happy Honda Days to you and yours. Yeah, get yourself a low interest rate on a Honda. It's the best time of the year, folks. <laughs> All right. See you, Colin. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> yeah, dude, eight, uh, nine offensive rebounds for, for Clark tonight in that game. He winds up with 15 rebounds overall, and Memphis is the best rebounding team in the NBA and the best offensive rebounding team. And they they had an 18 to six advantage on the offensive glass, and then the Wolves had six more turnovers. So when Memphis, you, th- you know, the the Wolves won the math game as they need to from the three point line by a mile tonight. Free throws were fairly even, but when you commit six more turnovers and give up 12 additional offensive rebounds. That is 18 additional potential possessions or chances to score for Memphis. Mm-hmm. And that's how you piss away your three-point advantage. Mm-hmm. And, the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies play a very effective, ugly game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're, you know, for three quarters, their free-throw shooting was awful. It was mm-hmm. terrible. Three-point was worse. So that's the thing. That's that's my point is they, they open the door – for the majority of this game to give the Wolves a chance to win it, to, like, take it by the throat. And and I guess that's that's the one comparison that you could probably make between tonight and Game 3, is that in both cases, the Wolves had the game, and basically the Grizzlies were saying, all right, we're, we might be done here. And the Wolves were like, are, are you sure you're done? Yeah, That's the frustrating thing. Yep. By the way, thanks to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for helping keep the lights on at Score North. I'm Mackie and Judd. If you are a business owner and you're looking to take your business to the next level, they specialize in risk management tools and resources, and they have over 100 years of experience helping business owners. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Two things I think we need to see in game six, okay? We need a protest. Okay, the wolves are the wolves are three and zero in protest games. We we I, I don't care if it's chickens, 
I don't care what it is. We need, we need someone to run on the court, get tackled by a security guard, try to glue themselves to the floor. Yeah, just, just glue yourself to the floor. That's yep. Fine. Whatever. Glue sticks. I, just duct tape. Yep. Someone's got someone's to take one for the team. Yep. And then the other thing is, I think A-Rod's got to ditch the suit and tie, man. I don't yeah, know what, that, I don't what, know what he was doing there That's, tonight. What is that? That's A-Rod. What are we doing? That's A-Rod. No, no, it's not. What are we doing? He never wears suits and ties. He wears no, sweaters. But, but that story he wears about... wears sweaters. The story way back when, when he was being recruited by the Yankees and showed up at somebody's hotel room door at like three in the morning in a full suit. And they said, this guy is the most uncomfortable, weird guy. That That's the first thing that I th- thought of when, you know, Lori decked out for a basketball game, right? Just he, just wears, he just wears a t-shirt yeah. and sneakers. Yeah, which is awesome. a guy. Looks like a yeah. dude. Yes. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what A-Rod and was A-Rod, doing. A-Rod yeah, tried to class it up tonight. It didn't, it didn't bring good well, vibes. Not necessary. Not necessary, A-Rod. A-Rod should wear a full Yankees uniform for the yes. next game. God, just, wear a, just wear a full baseball uniform. That'd be amazing. Cleats and everything. God, Those awesome. two should pay a protester. Very, very, very I, I did, quietly yeah. pay a protester. Dex, we're going to need you to... If, you know no, if no one has run on the court by like right. early in the fourth quarter, we're gonna we're gonna need you to. All right. Well, then I will need more than a team. suit. I'll need like a full on body suit to absorb the inevitable tackle that's gonna break like all my fragile. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you like a Warren body. Moon flak jacket, you know, yeah, or like need, a Drew, like a Drew Brees. I think, flak. I, those, I think Ja wears one. I'll need the Kirk Cousins like full on oh, yeah. pads that he wears. Like I'll I'll need all of those. Well, Ja has a. Like so Ja has like a it's like Under Armour with some pads on the ribs. Dex yeah. might need the actual flak jacket though, need, the Kevlar. Yeah. I'm worried for Dex's ribs. That security guard. Sumo yeah. security guard. Yeah. I believe the goal of the protesters, if I am not mistaken, too, is to get Glenn to have to expedite his sale of the team. So you know. Oh well, then if we had another, Mackie and I will be hand in hand doing it. If that's the case, and he decided, you know what, that I'm done with this. I'm just going to sell it right now. Let's just say Mackie, Declan, Mark, and Alex would all benefit. Absolutely, yeah. Just no suits and ties, okay? Not even I've, in, not even you. at the sign table. I agree with you. Yep. So, all right. Well, game six, Friday night. Let's get it. So this is a big week for us. So we're going to be Purple Daily live at Surly Brewing Company on Thursday night for night one of the NFL draft. We're going to be hanging out with listeners and cheersing some before I die. Uh, football ale around, I don't know, we're, we're going to get there a couple hours early, so 3.34, 4.30. And then Friday night, we haven't figured out how or what the timing is, but we're going to be covering the second night of the draft and game six of Timberwolves Memphis. So. What's the tip time? Do we know yet? Have they announced it yet? Let's see. No. I think we need to. I think we need the Suns Pelicans game to play out tonight. Okay. They have not. So probably in the morning we will know what time they're going to. Yeah, because I game. think if the well, I know if the Suns well, no, no, it's uh that game's going game six. That series is going six games. It's I, tied at two. Yeah, I believe Do- Doogie told us today on the scoop session that I believe it's a standalone game, regardless. Hmm. Okay, so it could mean a seven o'clock tip. It's going to be so. The other games that night are okay. So we're oh man, we might have to we might have to wait till tomorrow night because Bucks and Bulls is an if necessary game. And don't they play tomorrow? And then Warriors Nuggets, don't they also play tomorrow? So those could end. I don't know. We we might have to wait till tomorrow night, boys. Don't we know who we are? Don't, yeah. We need answers. We need to know. We need to know. Adam Silver, we need answers right now. If you guys are still hanging out here, if you could click the subscribe button and the like button, it'll help spread the word about these therapy sessions. And thank you for hanging out with us. 
digesting a brutal end of game situation for the Timberwolves, but we got you covered. We are your official Minnesota sports therapist here on Mackie and Judd and Score North. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys.